0: And joining me, Jane Klein, for Pet Chat today, our resident pet vet, Dr. David Tabret. And what would your special subject be today?
1: Hi, Jane. Um, I thought today we might talk about handbag toxicities. I know, not toxic handbags, but <laughs> things that might be in your handbag that you would get sick from.
2: Like lipstick.
0: <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. And Danny Boss is here too,
2: <laughs> as you've noticed. Haven't you seen a dog with lipstick all over?
0: it? <laughs> Is that the best way of bringing your dogs up? <laughs> Teaching them to look in the mirror, make sure the lipstick's in the right place.
2: And the mascara, yeah. But we it.
0: will be talking not about dogs with lipstick later on, perhaps,
2: but... Possibly cats with lipstick. <laughs> when we talk to... We'll be talking to Sue Kay, and she's a breeder of ragdolls and Maine Coons. So, yeah, some information on those two cats.
0: To FM, it is 16 past 12, and it is pet chat time. And we've just got our handbags out here. Yeah, all of us. <laughs> David Tabret, what's?
1: danny has got heaps in.
2: <laughs> okay, so what it's is, is it? has got wheels. Mine's got wheels. <laughs> I rolled it in. Oh, right.
1: okay. <laughs> no, look, it's one of the things that often comes up. Uh, we see patients at the emergency centre that have gotten into a bag, a handbag, and um, you'd be surprised what could be in there. That's quite toxic. And um, the number one thing that I've seen is nurofen. So um,
0: Nurofen, good for people, but not for animals. Yes,
1: yeah. and that's a brand name. So I should say the actual compound is ibuprofen, uh, and there are other formulations of it, so just be aware. Ibuprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. works pretty well in people for various aches and pains, but I'm not a medico, so let's not go there. But for dogs and cats, not good, not good at all. And uh, for cats especially, it's going to be quite toxic, causing kidney damage and so on, but for dogs it is actually going to be quite toxic causing gastric ulcers and they can start vomiting uh, and vomiting blood and that can actually then progress to things like a perforated stomach so not a good one to have around if you do have any ibuprofen in its various formulations make sure that it's kept well secure and away from your pet another one that we see is paracetamol and again similar sort of story it's an anti-inflammatory um Quite toxic to cats in this case, what it actually does is it damages red blood cells and they can't then carry oxygen. So, um, cats actually, when they present with paracetamol toxicity, end up with this uh, what we call this chocolate colored gums. So, instead of that nice bright pink color, their gums go this chocolatey color, which is uh, due to a change in the red cells called methemoglobinemia. So, you can look that one up. now, the other, the other quick one to mention, handbag toxicities, and relatively recent one, is chewing gum, mm. okay? And chewing gum contains a compound called xylitol. Now, xylitol promotes a high blood sugar level. Um, as you know, you get a little bit of a sugar rush, of course. But in dogs, it can then go on and causes problems. And we're not quite sure exactly how it does it, but it can cause problems in the brain, So um, another one to be aware of, chewing gum can be quite toxic as well. They're sort of the three things. I'm not sure about lipstick. I'm going to have to research that and get back to you next week.
0: (laughs) You don't have any uh, insights on the toxicity of lipstick, do you, Danny? No,
2: I don't, know. But uh, I know we have sold in the past nail polish for dogs, so... As long as they don't eat it, I guess. Yeah, But that's it. that's found in the handbag, isn't it?
1: Well, it would be. Yeah, probably a little bit harder <laughs> for the pet to get to, uh, whereas they'll chew through the chewing gum packet, they'll chew through the box of Panadol or the right. paracetamol, I should say, mm. or the ibuprofen.
0: And I dare say we'd also be looking at the nail polish in our... You know, bathroom cupboard, perhaps, rather than... (laughs)
1: It does
0: take a while to (laughs) drive. So uh, just beware of what you're carrying and what you let your animals get into.
1: Yes, and, you know, you come home, it's the end of the day, and you just drop the bag on the floor and you go and make a cup of tea or something, and next thing you know, the pet's got into the bag and, uh, well... They're not very discerning, are they? Sometimes they'll eat anything. So don't be surprised that uh, that can happen. So keep them away from your pets. Yeah.
0: Pet Chat is the program on 2NURFM. And Danny Boss, we have a special guest with some great information.
2: We do. Thank you, Jane. Uh, on, the, on the line, I've got uh, Sue Kay, who's going to be talking to us about cats and the cats that she breeds. Uh, she's also a member of the Feline Association. Thank you for joining the show, uh, Sue. Yes. Hi how are there. You today? Good. Now, what cats? Uh, what breed of cats do you breed?
3: Um, I breed one of the largest domestic breeds that you can have, which is called the Maine Coon. Yes. And I also breed the lovable, laid-back Ragdoll.
2: Okay. For, so how long have you been breeding these cats for?
3: Oh, I've been breeding the Ragdoll for about six years and I've been breeding the Maine Coons for about five years.
2: Okay. What is the difference? Can you describe what they look like and then the difference between the sizes and temperament of these cats?
3: Yes. The Maine Coons, being the largest breed, my stud boy, he weighs in about nine kilos. Yes. And from the tip of his nose to his tail is about 100 centimetres long.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
3: So they're quite a large pussycat. cat. If you picture a female Staffordshire Terrier. Yes. That's what the male coonies can get up to.
2: Up to, wow. Okay, so that is a quite substantial size for a cat.
3: Yes, it is. Mm. (laughs) So they're quite, quite big. And they're also what we call the gentle giants. Mm. You can um, teach them to walk in a lead. Okay. Uh, They will play games. You throw them a ball, they will bring them back to you. They're really quite an intelligent breed.
2: Wow, okay. So a little bit like a dog in some respects. Yes. Okay, fantastic. And what about um, the ragdoll?
3: The raggies, the raggies, are, uh, they're such a beautiful tempered cat. Uh, they get their name from, if you pick them up, they actually flop like oh, a rag, like a doll, okay. a floppy doll. Yeah. Um, if you want them to move out of the way, they'll just look at you and go, uh, yeah, what do you want me to do? Even if you push them with your foot, they just get pushed along.
2: Oh, okay, so they're happy to laze around and be, be lazy.
3: Yeah, they are absolutely a real stunning. They've got beautiful blue eyes. They're a pointed cat. Um, we are about to get in some new varieties of raggies, which okay. are called minks, sepias and solids. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a pretty exciting time for the raggies at the moment. And the best way to describe a raggy and a main tune,
2: mm-hmm.
3: if you've got a dining room table with all your beautiful cutlery, Etcetera,
4: etcetera.
3: Yep. A raggy will jump up and walk through it, nice and daintily. Okay. A maincoon will come up and just knock
2: it for six. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. So that brings me to the question: Then, what kind of family, if you're looking for a cat, who, what kind of family would be suited to those breeds? I guess.
3: Um. They're actually pretty good within any family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, the raggies and the main coons fit in well with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there are five grandchildren here where I am. Okay. And uh yep, they fit in really well with the children, but they're also really good for the raggies, mainly the elderly people, because they love to sit beside you, um, be your best companion, so to speak. So It's so almost <laughs> like a
2: a lap cat. A <laughs> yeah. lap dog lap cat. Yes. Okay.
3: So, yeah, no, they're really good.
2: Are they predominantly breeds that you should keep indoors?
3: Yes. I strongly advocate that um, any cat, really, Mm -hmm. should be kept inside unless they've got a suitable run um, for the outside world.
2: Why do you advocate that?
3: Um, It's safer for the cat Mm -hmm. and it's also safer for the natural wildlife.
2: Yes, okay. I I think I've also heard the vets on our show say that they also live a lot longer if they are maintained indoors.
3: Yes, they do. They're less susceptible to picking up disease. Mm. Um, With all the stray cats that are around at the moment, which is not their fault, it's our fault, they carry and pick up a lot of different diseases and they do pass it on to our cats. No matter how much you immunize them for, they can still get sick. So they're best off inside.
2: Well, can we talk about uh, the responsibility that comes with owning a cat? If someone is interested in getting a kitten or a cat, what are the responsible things to do?
3: Well, as far as I'm concerned, they become part of your family. Mm -hmm. So they're your fur kids, so to speak. They need to be fully vaccinated. They need to be microchipped in case they do get away. The most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, is they need to be desexed. Mm. If you're not going to breed them, desex them. They live a longer and healthier life because if you don't desex them, they can have trouble with their female parts, and they can have trouble with their male parts. I see. Because yeah, it's just it's easier on the pussy cat. Um, don't let them roam around outside. We've got a lot of bird life.
2: Yeah.
3: And besides the fact you don't want to see them get knocked on the road, it's just easier all around and it's more responsible if you keep them inside or have a nice big run area out the back, you know, with a cat fence or an enclosed veranda. It's just more pleasant on the world, and it's easier on the cats and us, I think.
2: There is a lot of uh, enclosures you can get now for cats, outdoor enclosures, to give them a large space and environment to live in.
3: There's a big variety Mm. of them out there at the moment. There is also one that can go on top of your existing fence, Mm. which angles in, and uh, one of them, I think, has got a very slight charge, which the cat can hear, and they don't go near it, and they don't jump out of your yard.
2: Okay. Now, Sue, you're also trying to organise possibly having a cat exhibition or a cat show in in the region, and you were telling me it's not just for pure breeds.
3: That's correct. A lot of people think that they have to have an expensive pedigree cat to show it at a cat show. Mm. You don't. The ordinary, everyday pet, your little moggy, you know, your best friend, so long as they're immunised, so long as they're de sexed over the age of six months, they are free to come along to any show. Okay. Um, they have their own ring, which is called the companion ring, and they compete for points just the same as the
2: pedigree cats. Well, what we'll do is um, we'll have your number here at the studio and if people would like to uh, enter their cats in this this show, they can contact you so we can give out that number. But otherwise, thank you very much for the conversation and for the wealth of information. Okay. That's
0: okay. Thanks soon. for talking. Bye. Bye. That's okay. And all sorts of things happening about cats. And this is Pet Chat on 2NURFM. And we do have that number for you. If you'd like it, just give us a ring on 49216216. And that's also the number we'd like you to talk about your your questions. If you've got a question for our pet pet, Dr. David Tabret, today, then give us a call, 49216216. Very pleasant at the moment, David Tabrett, as we're thinking about pets and we're joined. Your questions, of course, very welcome, 49216216. And we have Craig joining us from Cameron Park. You've got a question for David?
5: Yes, I have My wife's cat has started to pee everywhere through the house. Can you help me with that?
1: Okay, so how many cats do you have? Just the one? Just,
5: just got one pet, one cat.
1: One cat, one pet. All right. And how many litter trays do you have? One? Just the one. First thing is to get another litter tray. So the general rule is one per cat plus one. So if you have one cat, that's okay. two trays. If you've got five cats, it's six trays. Yeah. Uh, although if you've got five cats, you'll have probably have <laughs> trouble anyway. There's a whole range of reasons why uh, cats will start to do this. And um, we have to try and discern whether it's a medical problem. You know, is the cat urinating more frequently and increasing the amount of urine, which is uh, related to a medical problem, or is it a behavioral problem? So sometimes they do need a medical checkup just to make sure. Uh, but we certainly see this, what we call inappropriate urination, as a behavioral problem. And generally that could be discerned, like if the cat is sitting in the litter tray, straining and straining, nothing's happening, and then they go out and start, and that, you know, they might urinate somewhere else then I'd be thinking, okay, we're dealing with a medical problem here. If it's, you know, if it's... Yeah, the
5: the, the litter tray doesn't seem to be any uh, used any less frequently than it has been. Yeah. It's just that he, he started to uh, urinate on the lounge and different places around the house. And he, does, he is an inside cat. Yep. Very, very, very rarely does he go outside.
1: And how old is he? Uh,
5: be around, around about four.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, and he's desexed, I presume? Yes, that's correct, yep.
5: yeah.
1: Okay. And this, uh, have you seen him in the litter tray or urinating anywhere?
5: Oh, no, usually he does it when we're at work. Ah. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah,
5: He just made a mess yep. on, on the lounge and a wash getting, yeah, into that stage where we don't know
1: whether to, what to do with it. Oh well, that's understandable. I mean, obviously quite a strong odor Um mm. The first one of the reasons why we often advocate is to have two litter trays is just to give them a bit of variety. Uh, sure. Make sure that the cats can be a little bit sensitive about um, when they are using the litter tray, and so you don't want to have it in a traffic area or where they're going to be observed a lot. The other no, th- no
5: it's in the laundry. It so goes in through a little yep, uh, well, a, a doggy door, pet door into the laundry. So it comes and goes quite frequently.
1: Yep. I would also uh, look at um, making sure that you've got two different types of litter in each of the trays because sometimes they'll have an aversion to one litter and you're pulling your hair out thinking, why isn't he using the tray? Or, you know, he is, but then he's going elsewhere. It may be Uh. that um, he doesn't like the smell of that litter when it's wet. Um, It could be that uh, it needs to be changed more frequently. Or, as I said earlier, there could be a medical reason why he's starting to urinate more frequently and so just going wherever he can. There are um, sprays that you can get uh, for furniture and so on that actually would try and um, neutralise the smell. Uh, And that's in the short term is going to be useful. But I would look at adding another litter tray, putting in a different type of litter, and uh, in a different place obviously. And then if that's not working and I you know, only within two or three days you should know. Probably yeah. a health checkup just to make sure that we don't have another reason, things like diabetes, kidney disease, or hormonal diseases that can cause changes in the frequency of urination. Okay then. All right. Sure no yep. worries. Thanks, Craig. Thank Thanks, you.
0: Craig. And we're joined now by Chrisula from Mayfield.
1: Hi, Chrisula. Oh hi
6: there. How are you? Yeah, good. Um I've- just ringing um, uh, two of my cats went missing about three weeks ago Mm -hmm. in the Mayfield area and um, you know I put out uh, I rang up the RSPCA and Mm. everywhere and went around the streets calling Um, now the the strange thing was um, my sister was living with me and then she moved we we had four cats one of them was the mother and one was an old boy and she just took those two cats with her, and I kept two of the kittens, which were 18 months, though, no longer right. kittens. yep yep. Um, a week after the cats left, um, the, 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 my sister's cats, rather, um, the other two went missing, just went missing. One went one day, and the other went the next day. Right. And it's very strange. I just
1: wonder where they'd go looking for their mother. Is that a possible? Thing. It. Is, I mean, cats. When we think about cats in suburbia and so on, cats have uh, in the wild have a fairly wide area that they they live in, and it's divided up into various sections. So they have what's called their home, which is equivalent to in area to about two or three house blocks. Okay, and that's an area that they they really feel comfortable in and stick with, and obviously. They mm. they ignore fences, you know. Um, but then they go into a wider area, which is called the range, and that yeah. can be up to two kilometres. Now, in that area, they can get into problems, obviously, if they're... Well, in suburbia, the number one problem they're going to have is traffic, uh-huh. okay? But obviously, there's also other things like dogs and other cats. And despite the sort of stories that you hear about cats disappearing and turning up, you know, 500 kilometres away and things like that, it's more the exception, and I think that they do—they do, they do yeah. get lost, and yeah. because oh, you know, because they have a tendency to, well, what do they say? Dogs have masters, and cats have servants. So they—they they don't necessarily sort of think, uh, particularly at that age, it's not like they're going to say, "Well, this is my home, and I'm with you forever," and so on. It mm-hmm. is possible they could go somewhere else and be, uh, can I, in quotations, adopted. Um, so I think if it's not misadventure, which obviously I'm sure that you've searched everywhere, uh, and traffic accidents, as I said, would be the number one thing, then it's possible you look around the streets as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible that they could have ended up in someone else's place, and they're quite comfortable eating, say, the cat's food in that house, or you know, sitting out the back or whatever, and they're just going to make their way back after a period of time. But if they are they microchip the two? Yes. Okay, well, that's obviously a positive thing. And just make sure your details are up to date on the register with the microchip. A lot of people don't realize this, that the microchip only contains a number. And if we get a stray pet come in, we ring the database and search, or we search online for the number and match it to your details. Yeah. Okay, so you just have to make sure that they're up to date as well. Uh, and just keep in touch with the RSPCA and so on.
0: That's uh, good luck, I suppose, yeah. with your search, Fing- Fingers crossed. Yes. And Roy is thinking of buying a dog, and he'd like some
1: advice. Hi, Roy.
7: G'day, mate. How are you going? Not too um, bad. I, just, uh, uh, I need some advice on uh, my partner and myself are looking at buying, uh, purchasing a St. Bernard Right. Uh, um, is, what, is there anything in I need? We need to look at. Like we're doing a bit of research on it now. Yes. Is there anything I need to look at? Um, like uh, I don't know diseases, hips, things like that, with this type of um, breed. Uh,
1: generally, the I guess probably the concerns um, some of these bigger, larger dogs or um, more exotic types. Yes. Is that we have a small genetic pool in Australia? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so yes. most most of these dogs obviously coming from overseas. Um, and haven't been in the country that long, or all of the stock in Australia will be derived from one or two dogs. Okay, okay. Sure. So, so we often run into some genetic problems. That's true. Okay,
7: I, I do understand that there, there, there is a breeder in Melbourne, and it is quite quite expensive. Uh, look, I've, I've loved Saint Bernards ever since I was a kid, and same with my yeah. partner Jackie. Yeah.
1: Um,
7: uh, and uh, you know, we find it you know it's time now to, to, to purchase one. But uh, yeah, that's just some of the things we've just got to look at, I suppose.
1: There's uh, I. Oh, gee, it's been a long time since I've seen a St. Bernard. So the the great thing is exactly what you've highlighted is you can do a bit of research on the internet. Obviously, you want to look at quality information. Yes. So don't be swayed by, um, you know, ridiculous tales about this dog or that dog. Um, yes. Oftentimes, sure. uh, breed societies will have websites or perhaps on facebook or something you might be able to search some information there speak with the breeder um certainly there are a range of diseases that we see and as i said it's highlighted because of the small genetic pool so the larger breed dogs generally we worry about things like hips and elbows they can also get eye problems things like what we call ectropion and entropion which is where the eyelids roll in or out
7: okay yep
1: Okay, and if they roll, then it can cause problems with scratching on the eye and they need surgery. Oh, you know, okay, okay, sure, like no that. dramas. So you would always ask about, you know, do you have any history of problems with entropion? And if you look that up, you'll get some really good information. There's a... Yeah, I,
7: um, like I said, there is a few brood, not New South Wales, though. Um, oh, sure. Uh, and and, and it, like, it's quite cost- costly, but... Uh, <laughs> there's one lady there that needs uh, you have to put a resume together to purchase a dog like you have to convince her I should <laughs> tell you the dog you know I thought that was quite good you know you look pretty good so well,
1: yeah, well, thanks right. for that mate that's no problem um, can I
7: just say a quick hello to my partner Jackie who's probably driving home now
1: yeah for sure yeah,
7: g'day Jackie going love you can't wait to see you when you get home thanks
0: mate <laughs> <laughs> soon to be co-owner of maybe a uh, St Bernard uh, yeah. <laughs> you're listening to Pet Chat on 2NURFM 49216216 if you've got a question to put to David today, and in Carol has rung in from Budgee Hello, Carol.
4: Oh, hello, David. Oh. Hi, Carol. I, I might be able to. I just want to um, try and give some help to the man who has the pussy cat with the indiscriminate urinating.
1: Yes.
8: Um,
4: I have a Burmese. Um, yep. I I've got his and his, him, his sister when they were about five and six years old from friends, and they've been inside cats. The little girl is still an inside cat. Charlie just gets out occasionally in the morning and under, only when I'm home but he started just peeing everywhere and usually on the couch
2: or yes.
4: on the bed yes. and um, my vet put him on Prozac, yes. low Van Prozac and he has been 100% since, it hasn't hurt him one bit yep. I know a lot of vets don't agree but I can only say that how good he's been ever since then yes. um, uh, I don't know if the gentleman would like to talk to you about it or go to another vet but he's He's just perfect, and there's been none of this indiscriminate peeing. He's just like a normal
1: pussycat. Yeah, sometimes that's certainly the case where we, we need to use medication, and usually that's because it's related to an anxiety disorder. Yes. Uh And so that's the, the drug's uh, anti-anxiety medication. The, um, the other thing that's probably less known about those drugs is one of the side effects is they cause urinary retention, so it means the bladder doesn't empty as much. Now, that can lead to some problems. Uh, you do need to be aware that, um, you know, they can get risk of crystals in the urine, and you've got to be careful with diet. But certainly if it's a case of, uh, you know, it's the cat goes or else, then and it's behavioral, and we've worked through all of the things that we talked about with Craig, changing litter and so on, there are a few treatments including, as you said uh, some of the antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications. So it's a, it's good feedback, and I'm glad that it's worked out for you.
4: Yes, I'm very lucky because he's. Um, we tried all the other things, other and, of course, I watch him yes. because I'm, I'm very aware, especially with the Asian varieties, that they do get urinary tract problems. A- so they're on the best food. Yep. And... Um, I watch for that all the time, and he's now 10 years old, so
1: he's going quite well. Uh, Well done. Thanks very much for the feedback, Carol. Okay,
4: thank
0: you. You're listening to Pet Chat and David Tabrett. We are taking calls, 49216216. Thank you for your patience, Carolyn, uh,
1: from Corlett. Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you going, Carolyn?
9: I'm fine, thanks David, thank you for taking my call. Um, We've got a three and a half year old Jack Russell and she's a rescue dog, so we know absolutely nothing about her history. Mm -hmm. And we've had her just three months now and she appears to have absolutely settled in fine. Our vet said she's never seen such a laid back dog. She loves us dearly. Um, And we were expecting to have to house train her right from the beginning and to our surprise, um, she started immediately using the dog door and going outside. So we were thrilled to bit.
2: Very good. Then
9: after about three days, mm-hmm. we suddenly started having little accidents in the house, but never when we were looking. And mm. this I've gone back to sort of house training a puppy stage. Of I take her out every couple of hours. I praise her when she goes outside, um, trying to do all the right things. But we still, three months down the track, are having these accidents in the house, but we never see
1: her. Mm, Okay. Um,
9: We just don't understand why it can't be to annoy us or anything. (laughs) She appears to just absolutely adore us. No,
1: not at all. Not at all. I mean, we shouldn't attribute to uh, malice what um, ignorance would suffice to explain. So I think that, uh, and the reason I say that is that um, even though she's settled in pretty well, probably some of those habits still need to... uh, be ingrained and i would say in the time frame that you're making good progress uh the fact that um she's you know can go outside and knows how to get outside that's positive but we're looking at a dog as i said not quite sure of the history and i wouldn't be surprised if um, she just hasn't had the habit of going on the grass all the time Uh, For a whole lot of reasons. So I guess the question is, how do you get around that? And going back to, like you said, the puppy stage of making sure they get outside first thing in the morning, last thing at night, after every meal, uh, is critically important. And praising them, obviously. um, The other thing that might be useful is setting aside an area with a pee pad or newspaper that you can put down so that... um, you know, that becomes a surrogate if she sort of thinks she wants to go to the toilet and you're not there, that she's got a place to go and it's not going to be as big of a hassle. But um, that uh, at three and a half, uh, you can certainly still teach them the tricks. Oh, great, right, um, yes. You know, it's not like she's too old to learn, and they're never really too old. It's just, no. just a matter of how long does it take. So a puppy might take, uh, you know, a couple of months to train, but uh, an older dog, an adult dog, like she is, is going to take probably a bit longer than that. So I oh, right. just persist with what you're doing and probably, um, as I said, maybe providing an alternative inside. The only thing with that is that you end up with, um, you know, basically then it's either inside or out and you want to get rid of the inside area. Yes. and And that becomes another little bit of a struggle. So... It, it, is a, it is an idea that you can try, and in, in a dog this age, then I think it's probably worth doing.
9: Right, thank you. The okay. one thing that mystified us was that we never see her, and my husband just thinks it, it, it must be that she knows she shouldn't be doing it, and that's why we never catch her doing it. You so know. is
1: it at night, or...?
9: No, that's no. a funny thing. No, it's during the day. Okay. In fact, yesterday, I took her outside. I stood with her outside for probably 10 minutes, and she didn't go. Came back
1: into the house and turned round and, and there was a little wet patch in the bedroom.
9: Hm mm, okay. why? You
1: know? So she probably is at, at goes outside thinking I'm outside for a different reason. Oh. And and she just needs longer out there. Right. Um, you know, then when you go outside there's a lot of smells and noises yeah. and lights and and you know, then after ten minutes she comes inside thinking, Wow, that was exciting and then goes, Oh, hang on, I meant to go to the loo. Uh, so well. I'd just be giving her a bit longer than that yeah, so yeah. that uh, she you know, she gets over the excitement of going outside and even if she doesn't display that, I'm sure that sensory, yeah. uh, sensorially, is that a word, <laughs> that she's taking in a lot yeah. and uh, and that higher order thought of I need to go to a pee is probably not front of mind. Uh, right. But uh, give her 10, 20 minutes, maybe a bit longer. Right. Uh, I'm sure that she'll uh, settle in a lot better.
9: Okay, well, thank All you right. for that. So no. it's just a question of
1: persevering, really. Persevering, yeah. Time right. and uh, just giving her maybe adjusting the environment a little bit, but I think just giving her a little bit more time. Wonderful.
9: Thank you so much for that. No
1: worries. Some thank
0: things you. to try there, Bron. Uh, sorry, Caroline. Yes, but it is Bronwyn mm. who joins us now from Cessnock.
8: Hi, Bronwyn. Hi. How are you? Thanks yeah. for uh, taking my call. Um, no worries. Uh, Fourteen months ago, my husband and I brought a uh, multi-silky cross. hmm And uh, she's been absolutely beautiful. She's a lovely dog. Took her a uh, lot of time to um, get her trained uh, to be in the house. But um, she's been marvellous ever since. Now, a week ago, we went and bought another one. Mm-hmm. And um, what the problem is... Uh, the first day, she wouldn't have anything to do with her. The second day and third day, they were absolutely fine. And now, when she goes past or walks past her, she growls at her. Mm-hmm. If she tries to get next to me or my husband, she growls at her. Or touches a towel, she growls at The toy, she growls at it. Now, yep. what I tried to do was go back in life, and a long way, mind you. And uh, what I did with my children, and might have sent one of them to the bedroom if they behaved obviously so i put her in the laundry
1: so and who, who, who said, you're going to
8: go into bed and you're going to stay there until you behave
1: who did you who did you put into the laundry
8: the older one
1: <clears throat> okay now what's her name
8: her name is Kitchy, and the other one's bonnie
1: okay just so we can work it out okay no that's all right all right so and you put you put Kitchy to work, yep. but now she's back
8: to growling again
1: yes well that's because she uh she thinks that she's the boss
8: Oh yes, I realise
1: that. So and and putting her into another room just makes her think. Well, when I come back, I really have to show that I'm the boss. Hmm. Okay.
8: Well, she was actually good. She didn't growl for a couple of days. Yes. And uh, she tra- she she played good with her, and they chase each other around the house.
1: It's funny that you said like like with your kids' behaviour because I often think that that's really a good model. Uh, for actually, it's probably the other way. I think sometimes a good model is. Uh, parenting kids sometimes we could learn from how we actually look after puppies and they grow up okay but um in this circumstance so the first day she was a little bit wary second and third day yeah you're great to have here but you know what uh on day four she probably thought hang on when are you going when are you supposed aren't you leaving so and now it's like oh you're here to stay well listen let me tell you the rules of this house i'm the boss and uh, I get to go through the door first, I get to eat first, I get to do everything first and you just wait your turn and then you as a parent, uh, parent, as a human come yeah, along <laughs> and say, oh no, we're all equal, uh, we all love each other and no, she's going, no, this is not going to work, this arrangement is not going to work, everything was fine the way it was last week, why can't we go back to that? Mm. So what you need is just a little bit of order around how those relationships are settling in now. Uh, a lot of this, I haven't dealt with this integrating a second dog into a house for a while And I know that some of the theories around this have changed a little bit So certainly something to talk with Dr. Bob Stabler He's on next week But what I would suggest is that you make sure that you give attention to your older dog First and foremost, before you talk to... Um
8: oh, we, we, we do I mean, my older dog has uh, a playtime in the morning and of an afternoon with my husband
1: Okay. But and ha- we
8: keep that. I yep. hang on to the pub yes. while he does his playtime with her.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's probably something... When you pick the pup up, it elevates him, his status, mm. and so then he thinks he's actually higher. So it's getting a little bit complicated, as you can see, and it is something that takes a little bit of planning. But I think, as you said, if you go back to basics, I just wouldn't think sending the dog to out of the room is probably the appropriate message. But uh, we're going to run out of time today. So no, that's all right.
0: Thanks for your so, call very much indeed, Bronwyn. Mm, and Marie, um, oh. I'm wondering if we've yep. got just enough time to squeeze a very quick call in. Quick, Marie. Hello,
4: yes. I rang last week about the ProBand tablets in Pro- regards to damage to the liver with the, with the dogs. Right. So you are going to look into it. And I've just
1: wondered if you've looked into it at all yet. Okay, was that ProBan?
4: Yeah, the ProBan tablet. There's one chemical in it. Cythioate. Uh, pardon?
1: The chemical in it is Cythioate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It
4: can cause damage to the um, liver in the dog.
1: Well, and as far as I know, I think it's actually been discontinued, yes. uh, ProBan. Not because it's causing la- uh, liver damage, but because there's... The topical treatments are just so much more popular, and they're just not selling enough ProBan. Are
4: they? Because that's actually ProBan's the better way to kill the ticks, that's all.
1: Yeah, I know that. It's I do. Right. So yes, there's it another. Is. Well, that really is, is. time
0: uh, for ah, us to but go. Just, just
1: quickly, Marie, is that <laughs> it can cause long-term? It can cause liver problems, but I haven't seen it as a problem. Right.
3: So
6: what's okay. the long-term?
1: Well, what, you, what You
0: call long-term. We're going. I'm sorry, we're okay. really going to have to go, Marie. But we can talk about that again next time. Thank you, David Tabret. No worries. Thanks, Jane. And that's Pet Chat for today.